the Poker Bear episode 96. Number 96, Connor. No more players done unless someone becomes number 96, which would be pretty incredible. But I'm Evan Marinovsky. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, how you doing? Evan, I'm doing okay. How you doing? <laughs> doing okay. I'm not great, but doing okay. I can take it. I'm doing well, doing well. Uh, you know, I think Bruins fans are not maybe doing so hot. And I think I'm going to infer that. I don't why, want to infer. Why are you saying that? I don't want to infer. So I don't want to infer for people how they feel. I shouldn't be their uh, their spokesperson, but I'm going to be because I do think people are uh, upset or annoyed on this Thursday afternoon when we record this. After uh, every exit interview has been done with players, Bruce Cassidy, Don Sweeney, and today on Thursday was Cam Neely, and people are a little upset. And I don't blame them because they've been saying this for a while. Uh, Don Sweeney spoke on uh, Wednesday. Cam Neely spoke Thursday and basically confirmed. We'll start the show off with this. That Sweeney will be back. Don Sweeney will be back as general manager uh, and not just for one year, but they're going to try to try to hammer out, you know, a pretty solid extension. I don't think it's going to be, I think it'll be definitely more than one year. I don't think you're just going to be like, Oh, here's another year. <laughs> let's, let's try this again. Um, what is your initial reaction to that? Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily surprised by it. I think you could very, you, you could look and see it, his situation, whether it be kind of his status as, I guess, kind of a lame duck GM going into this uh, season or kind of the valid criticism he had and be like, all right, well, if there's ever time to make a move, it'd be now, which again, I think that's a very valid decision, but in terms of, I'm viewing at it from the Bruins perspective and management, which I'm sure we'll be talking about quite a bit uh, in this episode and probably in the weeks, months ahead. Um, from their perspective, it seems like it's one thing where they want to see what Sweeney can do in terms of forging that kind of next chapter for this organization, which is kind of a scary thought. Like, again, I think Sweeney, it's one of those ones where there's obviously the, the criticism is there in terms of the drafting development, not supplementing this core in place with adequate talent. Um, and then you can also make the argument that, you know, he's done a good job in terms of retaining talent, you know, with below market deals, uh, acquiring guys like Lindholm, which like very well could have, I think maybe saved his job. You listen to like what Cam Neely said in terms of why they, uh, why they wanted to go into the season. They wanted to see how this year was going to go before deciding to extend Sweeney, which is really risky by the way, like just giving <laughs> that role to, especially everything that was at stake this year, whether it be Bergeron's potential last year, just the fact that you only have so many more chances with this team to like operate with a guy who, again, Neely said that, Sweeney had free reign, but for a guy who has a very murky set of the head, it's a lot of risk there. So uh, I, I think that, you know, helped in his regard in terms of keeping, you know, his job for the coming years. But if you're a Bruins fan, it's definitely something where you're looking at it like, all right, even if Bergeron's back uh, next year and you maybe take one more run at it on the horizon, you can't ignore it at this point. It's inevitable that you're going to have to have some very hard truths and hard decisions to make next couple of years, whether or that, whether or not that's trying to retool on the fly. And like, you know, does that mean you're trying to get a guy like Dubois or Shifley or something like that in the next year or two, or is it a long-term rebuild? And when you look at kind of what Sweeney's strengths are, they're more of, you know, keeping kind of a core established group, in place right now, as opposed to starting that rebuild, identifying, you know, uh, drafting, getting younger players, uh, stocking up for the future. 
you know, you look at that track record, who knows, maybe, you know, this is also a situation that Sweeney hasn't really been in before. Well, except maybe in 2015 when <laughs> they kind of did do a full rebuild and it didn't go so well. So uh, I see why when you look at like the, the Bruins management perspective, why they did it. But if you're a Bruins fan, I still think it's a situation where, you know, who's the better candidate out there that remains to be seen. Like it's like the Kanye award thing. I guess we'll never know. Like we'll <laughs> never know what it is now, but uh, if you're a Bruins fan, I, you can definitely see the, the frustration, the maybe befuddlement. I think that'll be the word of the day. The word of the podcast is befuddlement just because, uh, it's tough to ignore just what lies on the horizon for this team. And I think you have to kind of question where this management group in place are the ones that should be making those calls when we either could be having some lean years ahead, or we could be looking into an off season where how you approach the next couple of months will dictate whether or not you have a rebuild or a quick retool and you're right back at it in a couple of years. So there's a lot at stake. It's like Sid the Sloth at Ice Age when he says, like, they do this every year. It's, yes. it's the same thing. It's you running it back. Um, and it's funny. You mentioned the trade deadline. I think that's an interesting one because, again, imagine if Hampus Lindholm was not, did not have the upside that he has. And you, you went out and just got a defenseman, signed him to this long-term deal. And it's like, well, you're a lame duck GM. That's like, you know, blowing the place up before you leave. Like, that's, you know, it's like the Joker walking away from the hospital when he's, like, pressing the button. You know, it's like, <laughs> sign, you know, sign Nick Ritchie long-term, boom, boom, like, blowing the place up. Um, but you know, you even, you, you hinted at it uh, at the end there. Like, do you want this crew to be the one to lead this team forward? And I think it's a valid question. It's a really valid question. And, you know, again, like I, Don Sweeney mentioned on Wednesday, you know, uh, you know, he mentioned Bergeron only comes around so often and, you know, it's so hard to find a guy like that and all that stuff, but you've had years to prepare for life after Bergeron. Like this is not something like Bergeron didn't just turn 37 and you know, Oh, he wants to retire now. Like this has been you and same with Chara. Like we've said, you know, this team took way too long and did not have a plan in place to replace the Chara and even Tori Krug. And it's kind of happening the same with Krejci and it, it's happening the same with, uh, with, with Bergeron if he decides to go. And that leads me to the point of, this entire offseason, I think, revolves around one thing, and it is, is Bergeron coming back? Because if Bergeron comes back, as we've said, you can find ways to do some quick fixes and you bring the crew back, you try it one more time, right? You get everybody healthy, you hope the season goes well. I imagine Bruce Cassidy is still your coach, right? And Bergeron basically runs that room anyway. But Bergeron retires, and you're in a whole new place. Then, then... Maybe you do need a new voice in that locker room. Maybe you need a more headstrong veteran coach or uh, you need to go out and make, you know, not massive changes, but seismic changes ish to to get top six centers. Like then I, I think it's a total different off season. I do. And again, I'm not sure if I'm super comfortable with Don Sweeney being the one to lead all of that. Um, and that leads me to the next point. I mentioned it a little bit in the in what I just said, but Bruce Cassidy uh, was not thrown under the bus, but it looks like they're preparing oh. to throw him under the bus. They're getting him ready. He's a fantastic coach, but uh, as Cam Neely said on on Thursday, and Don Sweeney, you know, um, mentioned talked about a little bit on uh, on Wednesday. Basically, comes down to does Sweeney want Cassidy back as the coach or not? I think that also is kind of upsetting to people because it's like, do you want Sweeney in charge of that too? Like. To me, it, and, and Pete Blackburn kind of tweeted about this. I think it was Pete who said this. You know, Bruce Cassidy was a better coach than Sweeney as a GM. And I think that's showing through here. And I think, again, throwing Bruce under the bus, 
not the best move. Yeah, no, it's one of those things too, where I think you look at Sweeney coming back and signing an extension. I'm sure Bruins fans were maybe hoping for uh, a change in terms of leadership there. But if the the gist of uh, Neely's presser is going to be like Sweeney's back and we're running it back, I mean, hope Bergeron's back, nothing ground, you know, nothing earth shattering, but what's to be expected to then like, put some of the blame on Cassidy for this year. I, I just, I think it's really short-sighted in terms of where you're doling out blame. And of course, like you, you know, some of the, the criticism that Neely said, it's something that Sweeney noted and something that even Cassidy acknowledged that I think they might have to tweak how they change, you know, how they go about their approach on the ice, whether that means sacrificing a little bit of that stingy defense for more opportunities on the other end of the ice whether it's making it a, you know, they talk about it every year, but a, a more focused uh, emphasis in terms of maybe getting more shots from the blue line, more offensive engagement from your defensemen, kind of like what Carolina did. Um, stuff like that. That's all very valid. And it's all things that I fully expect is going to happen in terms of making those necessary tweaks in terms of, you know, as much as the Bruins are one of the best defensive teams in the league, it also, I think, especially in the playoffs where the games get tight, gives you, little margin forever, right? Like all of a sudden it takes one deflection and you're chasing a lead and you don't have really the personnel or the system in place to kind of chase things back. You're not like Calgary and Edmonton where you're just all of a sudden <laughs> trading shots back and forth, right? Nine and, to six. And again, I don't want, I don't think the Bruins want to, or should be a team like that, right? Where they're going off to the races or even like how St. Louis has kind of changed their whole system around where they're kind of running gun. Like you don't have the personnel in place for that. But speaking of personnel, that's one of the things too, where, where it's like, all right, again, Cassidy has his faults. Uh, again, there should be some leeway to change those things. But if he's going to be the guy that shoulders most of the blame in a season where, again, you win, you know, you get 107 points, you get into the playoffs in what is arguably the most stacked Eastern Conference in a long time with how many 100-point oh, teams. 100%. Uh, you go into it with uh, a roster that, you know, was put together by duct tape, right? Like you go into it, and as much as there's the – intrigue of free agency. I don't think anyone was going into the year expecting uh, Felino or Halla or Nosek to be guys that were going to drastically move the needle. They would help the expectations. They were going to add, add to this group, but for you put it in, you know, put yourself in Cassidy's shoes. You're taking on a roster that has no set plan at two C your option going into the day was Charlie Coyle coming off of knee surgery. Yes. Uh, and you lucked into Eric Hall at finding his game there, which again, dried up in the postseason. You have uh, a far from a set plan in net where half of your bets were hedged on to Rask returning. You had uh, he returned defense. and he wasn't good. Yeah, you uh, a defense that as much as it was intriguing with, you know, their puck movement still uh, necessitated them having to trade a first and two seconds to get Hampus Lindholm to shore it up like. I don't know how you can look at, you know, in terms of doling out blame and falling it most on what Cassidy did when he was handed a, a pretty flawed roster and still got great production out of it. So again, yes, there's plenty of room to change the team's approach, but you also need uh what's like the bar, the parcels quote about, you know, being able to shop for the groceries, like you can only do so much what you're given. And if you're doling out blame to Cassidy for that, I don't know what to tell you. You got to look in the mirror in terms of seeing the personnel that you put out there for him and the, the roster you have in place, because it ain't good enough. That's, that's why this whole thing is backwards. It's completely backwards. As you said, like you, and I, I even tweeted this out uh, on Thursday morning. Like you look at, again, this team was not good. This team was a very average team up until Cassidy made the move 
to move Pasternak down to the second line and move DeBrusque up. And suddenly that changed everything. But up until then, they were bo- they were barely a playoff team. I don't know, there were times that they weren't. And, and again, watch out for even, the Red Wings. I know. I know. Remember that whole like, thing where it's like, oh, the Red Wings are coming. Um, but even you look at like the top six wingers, you know, you had a real hole uh, on the on the side, you know, uh, of uh, Taylor Hall's line. You know, it was Coyle and Halla uh, down the middle and you had Smith there and, and you know, DeBrusque wasn't really working there. And DeBrusque was down on the fourth line at times. And they were just like that just speaks to personnel issues. And again, I, I totally agree that, you know, they do need to maybe change some things offensively. Maybe you try to get in between the dots a bit. But when I hear Cam Neely come out and say, you know, that there's a need for a power forward and it's like, really, we're doing this again. Like this is, is this like they have swung and missed on every power forward since Milan Lucic. You, you go right down the list of Brett Ritchie, Nick Ritchie, Trent Frederick, David Backus, um, uh, Nick Felino. Like, again, like it just doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. And getting guys who are either over the hill or who just aren't that terrific as power forwards, you know, not up like Nick Ritchie, not up to the, the NHL level of, of play today. To me, that does not move the needle at all. I don't think uh, that puts you past anybody. Um, you're it, in a worse spot because of it. Yeah. And it's also one of those things too, where I think as much as the focus is on like great power forwards, I look at a team like Calgary or even let's say the Bruins got into like, they played any of these teams out West, like whether it's the blues, Colorado or Calgary, they would have been, you know, sucking wind in those track meets against those teams. Like as much as Calgary, you look at that's like I think the prototype you're looking to follow. And again, they've got big boys on that team, right? With guys like Lucic and and, and Brett Ritchie. But like <laughs> I think you look at, I think you look at just how they're able to kind of blend that skill uh, with that size. And I think like a perfect example of a guy that you should be targeting is like a Blake Coleman, right? Where he's not the biggest guy out there. That dude is always crashing the net. That guy's always on the floor check. He's always creating those chances. And again, those are the guys you should target, not uh, a Felino or a guy you said that's over the hill or, you know, fits maybe the traditional mold of a power forward. And again, that doesn't mean then you have to go out like last year and spend a bunch of money to get a guy like Coleman, but it's about identifying those next players that fit that mold, right? Where it's a guy that is aggressive on the floor check, has the ability to throw his weight around, but again, not a... Six six guy who's going to be uh, get toasted by Nathan McKinnon, Johnny Goudreau, yeah, any of those guys. Like, there's that level you have to hit, and the Bruins haven't been able to reach it at all. No, not not even close. Safe bet that you're not going to go out and find your next big power forward, your next you know prime Milan Lucic in free agency or whatnot. But we're talking really safe bets, really safe bets. We're talking about our good friends over at Bet Online. Right, you are Evan. Listen up, guys. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the Number one source for all your bet needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the playoffs, fights, even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join. Use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code CLNS50. Bet online where the game starts. 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 Where the game starts. I'm taking your Boston accent from you. I'm going to have it now. It's going to be mine. I'll just use it. It's like, and... the, little, it's like the little mermaid. You're just yes. taking my voice. <laughs> hey, whoop, we can switch voices. Um, here's what here. There was actually a quote that came from Cam Neely today that I haven't seen anybody tweet about yet. 
Uh, maybe I just haven't seen it, which again, like I don't spend like all of my day on Twitter. I, people Thank think God. I do. I spend a little bit, but not all of it. So maybe I miss this. But uh, Neely was asked about young players uh, being afraid to make mistakes. And he gave a really interesting answer. He said, there's no question players are afraid to make mistakes, especially younger players, because you know you hear about it. And I was one of those players that I had to learn and grow. I, I heard about it too. And I made mistakes as a younger player, but you can't worry about not getting back out there. I think that's one of the things we have to kind of change. I think when younger players make mistakes, they're worried they're not going to play the next game while that game is still going on. That is a very uh, subtle, not so subtle shot at Bruce Cassidy. And that's why I think that if Ka- if they were to move on from Cassidy, I think if Bergeron does not come back, they understand that they're going to have to put younger players in positions that maybe they aren't fully ready for. Um, you know, in the sense that maybe Johnny Beecher is a top nine center next year when maybe he should use another year in the AHL or Fabian Lysel is in a higher role than maybe, uh, you know, his development would put him on track for. And let's face it, Cassidy's been pretty quick to pull the plug on younger players in the past. I don't think that that's like a secret around here. Um, Cause again, he's played for, he's coached a team that is trying to win a cup consistently. So, you know, you, he sends his messages to younger players like that. I would not be surprised if that was a reason that they let Cassidy go in the sense that they felt that that was a bigger issue than uh, sy- you know, sy- systematic changes in the, in the offense. Because again, you can teach that, but can you really, I think they might look at it. Like, can you look at Cassidy and say, Hey, can you be easier on younger players? Can you put, uh, you know, Merkulov in the lineup after he made a huge mistake in the last game or something like that. And again, I also kind of look at that and go, I don't know if that's enough to switch a coach, but it is again, you mentioned hard truths. And then it kind of goes back to, you know, should Neely and Sweeney be making those decisions with the team transitioning forward like this? It's a tough call. Right. And it's also one of those ones where you can also very much, you know, look back and merit that as well. If you're from a management perspective. Right. And again, does Cassidy have a short leash with young players? Yeah, of course. And there are plenty of times where I, you know, I'm sure some Bruins fans would like to see more of a guy, a younger player, but also sometimes you can chalk it up to the fact that like, is the player either ready or is he, you know, struggling? Like I, I look at a guy like Jack Sanika, for example, right? That's like that's the a number guy, one guy. Like, again, you the Bruins have been hoping for a while that he'd have top six potential. Bruins fans would love to have a guy like him in the lineup, a guy that if he hit and let's say he landed in this lineup and uh, ended up being a 40, 50 point guy, you're all set, right? Like, again, you're not all set in terms of making up for Bergeron, but you have a, a young cost control player in place that you can build off of. But was there any point in any of these games, Evan, especially like later in the year when like he was given top six minutes where you're like, all right, that guy, he's, he's making an impact. Like, look at a guy like Trent Frederick who like had a short leash, but like can't be taking penalties. You can't be like exactly. you know doing stuff like that. Like again, personnel. If we go into again if we go into next year and let's say life sells in the lineup and he's going through the the bumps that all rookies go through and he's not given a long leash, then you have to be like, all right, this is a guy that has the potential. You need a guy like him to eventually hit and, and hit that level. Um, you have to kind of stick with him then I could see the argument for it of like, all right, you need to let kind of this next wave of proven talent. But right now, which guys have been given kind of a short leash from Cassidy that are looking like, you know, legit franchise, you know, pieces. And some of that goes back to drafting, right? Like Frederick, who we can talk about the guys you didn't take there in that place. You can look at, uh, again, Erhovac and Einan, or you look at Zaboral, any of those guys who struggle to get into the lineup. Yeah. Where they fit. Uh, I mean, Vac and Einan, you, took him over a guy like Robert Thomas, but it helped right now. Right. Like, or I think yeah. Erickson act too, right after that. So, oh, good. um, <laughs> again, 
some of it also falls on what personnel you have in place there and what prospects you identified and brought up there. Because again, who knows, maybe Sadiqa turns the corner, but I look at that as a prime example of the, the guy on TikTok that goes like, <laughs> it's just like, what, what are you expecting there? What do you, what do you expect? You're so young, Connor. You're so hip with us kids. I know. Terrific. But it's true. Yeah, exactly. But like, I look at like Sadiqa, I, I, I consider him kind of a lost cause. Do you expect him to, after three years of us hearing that he, this is the year for him. Do you expect in 2022, 23, that he's going to be a top six center? They might need him. They might be like in dire need of him to be, but he's not actually a top six center. Like that ship has sailed. And again, like his value, by the way, if you wanted to trade him also has plummeted. And we talked about this for the last two trade deadlines where like, that's a guy who you should have traded maybe two or three years ago when you were pumping him up to be the next Bergeron, but he isn't actually the next Bergeron. He's not even close. Um, so again, I think it comes down to, and that's another thing that's personnel, like these younger guys who Cassidy has had a short leash with haven't exactly been terrific. So again, that's personnel. That's personnel. Uh, speaking of young guys, uh, one thing that Neely was asked about on, uh, on Thursday was about a rebuild. You know, would you, opt for a rebuild. Now he did not sound too pleased to do it. He doesn't sound like he really wants to, but he did kind of allude to the fact that teams that go for a championship every year kind of catches up to you at some point and you do have to have an eye for the future. Um, But again, I think he even mentioned this as well. They have a, they have good younger players on this team, you know, whether it be McAvoy, Swayman, um, you know, even Pasternak, you, you have a core and we've said this, you have a core. I don't know if rebuilding would really solve these issues and it would also be painful as hell for yeah. fans yeah I, I think it's still more of a situation where i think stuff really has to hit the fan to require yeah. a full rebuild like and again Post, if Posternock decides he doesn't want to come back and he leaves yeah, right that's a reason to do it but again yeah i think it's more along the lines of retooling on the fly whether that's bergeron's not back you look to acquire a guy like Dubois or, uh, you know, even like is like Horvat could be available. Who knows what Vancouver's doing with that cap situation, uh, whether it's signing a guy like Drew as a short-term option just to carry them over. And then I mean, who knows what happens in 2023 when you have a whole bunch of money coming off the books that allows you to at least, uh, you know, explore free agency, acquire another player. So they at least have options that as long as you have, McAvoy and Lindholm in place. You have one of the best top pairings in the league. You've got one of the best young rookie goalies or young goalies and Jeremy Swayman in place. You got David Pasternak, who if he's here long term, for at least as much as some people like you know talk about Pasternak and maybe his you know shortcomings in terms of turnovers, what have you, he's a good bet for forty goals every year, and not a lot of guys can do that. You've got Sa- like, a safe talent- bet. A safe bet. Well said, Evan. But they they have pieces in place that they can build around, and who knows what happens with. Um, you know, regardless of who you need to maybe trade to get another top six center, but guys like Lysel, guys like Lori, guys like even as much as people talk about the drafting and from like 2015 to 2019, which is a significant stretch and it's not been good. <laughs> uh, if you want to find some sort of silver lining, the early returns from both 2020 and 2020, 2021 seem pretty promising in terms of even, you know, guys like Gallagher, Harrison, uh, Ryan Mast, uh, uh, Jelvik, uh, some of these other players that, again, we'll see what happens in the next couple of years, but early returns seem pretty encouraging. So uh, whether it's, you know, supplementing this call with those young players that are coming up through the system, 
who they draft in the coming years, plus the added cap flexibility. I think it's more along the lines you're going to see a, a retool and, and working on the fly to supplement this kind of next generation as opposed to a full, full-blown full rebuild, which, again, stuff's really going to have to go down the creek if you have to really uproot that kind of established foundation of talent you have beyond the Bergerons. Yeah, that's not a great idea. I also think, like, again, I think if Bergeron comes back, I think you can run. I think you're obviously in a way better spot, but even for the future, because as you said, money, more money comes off the books after next season. It gives so you time. You can, that it gives you time to reevaluate, um, which again, do people have the confidence that this management group can do? That's, that's hard to tell <laughs> I don't know about that one, but I do like, I'm looking at the 2023 uh, free agents, by the way, this is subject to change because guys will sign extensions of course. and it's, and, and the popular thing always is when you're in one off season to say the next off season is so much better, right? All next off season. That's the one. Uh, but I'm just looking early at 2023 and some of the notable centers, uh, Ryan O'Reilly uh, will be a free agent. Then again, I don't know what he's a little older. I don't know if that's like, that's not like a long-term fix, but it is someone that I don't know, maybe you, go after um nathan mckinnon will not be on the free agent market i think by then uh but he is a free agent uh currently that offseason dylan larkin uh bo horvat uh jt miller is another it's really the only notable ones that i think are uh, worth uh worth saying uh there's nobody i'm jonathan taves you want taves there they fixed it <laughs> but but i do think that again you look at uh you look at next offseason as potentially one that you can make those kind of moves with money coming off the books. Um, and I do think you, you probably have to, you'd like to re-sign David Pasternak. That would probably be a, probably be a good thing unless you, that, unless you really go like full on rebuild. Uh, and by the way, before we get to the quick hits of some of the actual Bruins player news that we've got in the past couple of days, you know, one thing with Krejci, you know, Sweeney mentioned how Pasternak's basically going to be recruiting Krejci back. I think Krejci good for one more year, but I do think you you do have to try to find actual long-term fixes within the next year. If you, if you could find a way to get Krejci to come back for next season, perfect. Like great. But after next season, I'm not sure that's like a, a viable option. Yeah. It'd be the same as Bergeron coming back where again, I think at the very least it gives you a chance to be in the mix, which again, you throw kind of shit to the wall when you get into the playoffs and who knows what happens. Like, they got one last great run on them. That's good. And at the very least, that gives you, again, more time to either develop prospects. If you have Bergeron and Krejci back, you all of a sudden don't have to give up a blue chip prospect to, to get a guy like, you know, Shifley or Dubois or anything like that. So you retain your talent. Younger players come up the system. Uh, you save more cap uh, commitments. So that way, when a lot of it gets cleared off the books next year, you can spend however you want to spend it. Um, so yeah, at the very least, it's kind of the best of both worlds. If both those guys come back in terms of you at least have one more run where you can have the gang back together and it gives you just more time to maybe not delay the inevitable, but gives you more time to reassess what the next step is. Cause sooner or later, those decisions have to be made. You just keep delaying the inevitable. It's like, it's like Wiley. It's like Wiley coyote when he runs off the cliff. And he keeps on running off like in a straight line. He doesn't realize until he looks down that he falls. Like that's what the Bruins are doing. Just run straight off, keep on chugging across until they get to like 2024 and see what happens. Like that's what yes. it's exactly going to be. Yes. And and I think again, we'll discuss later in the offseason, you know, if 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 the Bruins would even want Cassidy or Sweeney overseeing a re like if you did kind of a, a small rebuild, like would you want the same coach and the same GM? I mean, again, when they went through the retool you know, which is now like what, seven, eight years ago in 2015, 2016, 2017, that area, 
they got a new GM and they eventually got a new coach. So again, all questions that we'll um, kind of get to later in the off season. Uh, other stuff, Matt Grizzlick, a uh, shoulder injury uh, that he was playing through. That was pretty clear. Uh, but Brad Marchand, hip injury. Um, and did they have they given a, full, a, a, a for sure answer if he's getting surgery or not? Nothing uh, set in stone yet. It could be this offseason or it could be next, too. I don't know if it's something that he just will fight through, uh, which is also not really encouraging. Usually, if they Yeah, that's really that, fun to go into a usually, season and be like, yeah, my hip, it's killing me. I'm yeah, going to play through 82 usually games. Usually, if it's something like that, you'd imagine they'd just correct it now. But again, yeah, the, again, anything with a hip surgery for a hockey player, especially one who's up there in age and Martian, very concerning. Um, you're already going into the season expecting Grizzlick's not going to be out there, which again, if you're trying to move uh, a left shot D to save some cap space or for some future assets, probably you can strike Grizzlick off that list makes Riley probably the most likely candidate there at that point, but you can kind of survive without Grizzlick uh, for the first month or so of the season, especially with Zaboral back, which I thought was a good depth move. But um, I, I think Marshan, yeah, that's one where don't really know yet what the timeline is, but not great. Like you don't like hip surgery is a scary thing for any of these uh, hockey players, especially at his age. Yeah, no, definitely not good. This whole podcast, not good. I mean, quality of it's terrific, but the news, not so great. Um, David Poshnar contract talks. Uh, Seems like they want to get a deal done. Uh, they're not the Red Sox, which is a good thing with these guys. So that's that's a positive. Or the Penguins. Re- you are the Penguins. Yeah, same thing. Really, the same thing. Yes. Uh, if this was if this was the Red Sox, by the way, David Postonak would one hundred percent not be coming back. That mm-hmm. wouldn't even be like a question. Yes. Like you know, uh, but what what do you think ends up happening with Postonak? I'm not sure if you'd see like a deal done this offseason, season, but I imagine they circle back and try to at least start bridging that gap. And I think it all depends on just what Pastrank wants. I'd imagine that he said in the past in terms of, you know, his comments about, uh, you know, money not being the prime factor. That being said, he's still going to get paid a lot of money. He's not going to be making <laughs> 6.6, whatever he makes now. Like He's going to get paid, but whether it's, you know, his comfort level here in Boston, um, you know, the way that this market has worked for him um, and in terms of, you know, not necessarily, you know, resetting the market, which I don't think he'd, he'd really want. I'd imagine they, they work something out. What, what will that be? Again, are we looking at eight years at eight and a half million, nine million? Like I imagine something in that range. I don't know if he's going to hit 10. He, if he hit the free agent market, he would. But, oh, um, but even if it ends up being eight or nine, I think you probably sign that if you're the Bruins in terms of what, again, people who have their detractors about Pasternak in terms of turnovers, or maybe, you know, you want more down the other end of the ice, but a few guys in the league when he's locked in can give you that instant offense that he brings. I mean, look at what the power play was when he was out there, right? Like there's, he has a sizable impact on this team and what's the biggest issue is scoring. <laughs> I, I think he's going to keep that guy along for, for a while. I don't think he's a guy whose game's going to really decline over the, another, you know, long-term deal. And look how long they were looking for a, like just a, pure score like that they were looking for a guy like that for years he's here like let it be as the beatles once said um how about me doing a beatles reference we, we have uh tiktok references we got looney tunes references and we've got the beatles we just the, beatles. Got the whole the whole whole crew we're hitting all the demographics all generations oh yes we're getting everybody here uh and then finally jake debrusque the future of Jake DeBrusque, uh, DeBrusque kind of said he hasn't really made a decision on it yet. He'll go home and figure it out. Um, Sweeney talked about it on Wednesday, saying that maybe he got a 
it was like a he looked over the fence and saw that the grass wasn't uh, as green on the other side or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, said of, nothing, he said nothing had changed with the brush static, except that he's 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 happier. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like I, 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 true, I guess. <laughs> and then maybe that has been a change. Um, so I guess good for DeBrusque. It feels like that's probably still a trade request. And I don't imagine that like he's still going to be like, oh, I want to stay now. Yeah. Um, and again, I think you can get something for him. I think in some ways, maybe the best case scenario happened with the Russ down the stretch where like you got consistent. We said this back when they signed him after the deadline, like the fact you need production out of DeBrusque, because if he still wants to be traded, you want to have him have some value. He has some value now. Now, I don't know what you're going to get for him. I don't know, like if you're going to get a game changing player in return, maybe you package DeBrusque, maybe you just get draft picks, but at least it's a better situation if you trade him now than if you tried to trade him even at the deadline or if you traded him after he just didn't produce the rest of the season. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of those ones where I also think it's going to come down to what the Bergeron decision is, because if he's back, I could very much see a situation where they would want to keep DeBrusque because he's a guy that could give you 25 goals on, on a team that needs that production, right? And I, I, you look at the postseason, too. It's the ironic thing is that he was one of the few guys that seemed to bring it every night, DeBrusque. I mean, he was, he was one of the few guys that played well in that game seven. So uh, I think if you're the Bruins, it's all about kind of evaluating what that you're staring at kind of two divergent paths, right. Depending on whatever Bergeron does. So, um, and again, as you said, I think it's the best of both worlds in terms of uh, what DeBrusque and his value could bring you, because you can keep him depending on how happy he'll be. uh, And he could be a guy that gives you 20 goals, or he could be an asset that if you're retooling and you want to get, I don't know, two second round picks, maybe a low a low first round pick guy like him could give you that, or he could give you as part of a piece to get a legit top six center too. So they have plenty of options there with the brusque, all of which could benefit this club, whether he's here or he's playing elsewhere next year. Interesting stuff. We'll see what happens. Uh, Connor, where can the people look forward to your things on all of these uh, big fun positive topics on uh yeah all that stuff will be over at bsj uh we'll have a, a column out shortly uh talking about bruce cassidy and his kind of role in this team's crossroads which i don't think uh is a significant one but uh we have that we'll have, have you know more reaction from neely and sweeney's press conferences a look at kind of what the next steps are for this team in the off season and throughout the the summer we'll have plenty of stuff breaking down uh you know, the next steps for the Bruins, trade targets, free agent targets, all that good stuff. So you can find all that over at BSHA. So subscribe at bostonsportschannel.com. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinoff. You poked bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.